One of my favorite TV shows, like many of you, is Friends. It's that feel-good show that always makes you smile. You can relate to at least one character, repeat the lines to every episode, and can watch over and over again. And the fashion, oh my god, the fashion. Classic 90s styles that are timeless. 20 years later, we're still trying to emulate the looks. I had the opportunity to chat with famed costume designer from the series, Deborah McGuire. We talk about how she landed the job, what her time was like on the show, and what she's up to now. This is a good one, so pour yourself some coffee, pretend you're cozied up on the orange couch, and listen to how our favorite friends came to be. You're listening to Passion and Purpose Radio, and over here, we're making magic happen. Your host and Lady Gets founder, Tia Getzlaff, chats with entrepreneurial experts about their journeys, navigating social media, finding health and happiness, and how to truly live a life you love. Ready to be inspired? You're right where you need to be. Here's your host, Tia Getzlaff. Hi, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining me today on Passion and Purpose Radio. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Are you keeping busy during this crazy time? What's it been like for you? I'm, I'm sure it's forced you to slow down a little bit. You know, I wish that was the case, but um, I don't think it's in my DNA to slow down. So I, um, I'm in Rhode Island, which is where our vacation home is, but it's also where my studio is. So it's very exciting because usually I'm here a week here, a week there, and I've been here for six months and I've been in the <laughs> studio making art every day. And today I got to finish a piece that I worked on most of the summer where I had, it's an outdoor sculpture and I had these stands built. So today was the completion So that was exciting because I'm heading back to Los Angeles and back to work on the 17th. Okay, well, that was my next question was when uh, when everything's kind of starting back up. I know that industry has been on hold for a while, so you get to, to go back to it after somewhat of a break. Yeah, it's a little bittersweet. Um, I've been here with my adult children and my husband, and I think it's maybe the greatest time I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Good, good, good. I know sometimes I think things happen for us to just reevaluate. And so you got to spend some time with family again. I'm sure that they loved having you around. So you were just talking about some art that you were working on, and I know that that is kind of where your career started. Can you take us back to the beginning um, and how you got into that? What was that journey like for you? And from there, what led you to costume design? Well, you know, I was always an artist. I think I was born that way. And in my earliest years, I was kind of obsessed with making clothes and making things for my dolls. And I had a little tiny sewing machine and I loved creating things. And so it was kind of, and you know how as parents, my parents were very supportive of seeing this passion that I had at such a young age and supporting it. And so I went to, I did arts, a lot of art school things and classes at the museum school and was really fun and my parents really supported my um my adventures and then um as i got older um i got more political and i grew up during the time of the vietnam war and i became in my later years in high school and college very in- involved politically and it kind of turned the direction for my career dramatically because I suddenly wasn't really interested in doing anything that had to do with your physical being and how you looked. And um, I felt like it was really indulgent. So I focused at that point more on education and on fine art. And as I, you know, got older and went to college, I went to art school And I was a painting major and then went to graduate school and did metal arts and sculpture uh, in San Francisco. And um, I'm sort of the kind of person that I'm really 
open to stumbling on experiences and sort of going with them. And I had some pretty interesting formative experiences of a time in Bali, Indonesia, where I studied mass carving and did a lot of very adventurous things in my 20s. Um, And then I don't know how I just sort of stumbled into my next career, which was I um, was painting and my gallery in San Francisco had an exhibit and invited their artists to work in a material that they'd never worked in before. So I did a series of necklaces made out of plexiglass, paper, and wood. And uh, I was asked by the local department store that had come to see the show if I would make some pieces for the for the store. And so I did, and unbeknownst to me, that sort of launched my career as a, as a jewelry designer. And I was a jewelry designer from the 70s uh, until 2000-something because I sort of kept doing jewelry for different things. Like um, I did fine jewelry for a long time and learned how to do cloisonne enamel, which was doing little paintings in enamel, and then had to learn how to set those pieces. So I studied with a goldsmith and learned how to do that. And so my jewelry career was extremely broad and eclectic, and it was everything from fine jewelry to fashion. And then I moved to New York City, and I was doing my jewelry, and I had a factory in Providence, Rhode Island, which is kind of how I got to Rhode Island, which is where I am right now. And it's where I ended up meeting my husband. So I was living in Manhattan and I was going back and forth to my factory in Rhode Island. And, um, you know, I was a jewelry designer and I met this woman in Paris, actually, who became one of my very best friends. And she was a choreographer and thought it would be fun if I designed costumes for their dance company in Paris. So I did that. It was kind of as a little distraction and hobby from my business, which had grown exponentially at that point. And um, so I did the costumes and loved doing it. It was like making art for bodies. And I thought it was really interesting. And then I don't know, it's so strange. Like little did I know that I would end up becoming a costume designer, but one thing led to another and the stock market crashed in 1987 and my husband and I had just gotten married and we decided uh, that we were going to move to California, which is where my parents were. And that's what we did, had our first child. And then I launched a completely new career. It was like reinventing myself for the third time. Right. And it was really humbling and wonderful. And um, I had a lot of help in the beginning from very generous friends who gave me opportunities. And then I took those opportunities and sort of ran with it. And, um, And then early in that career, I started doing these movie of the weeks and one led to another. I did like 21 of them in a year. And so I learned how to, how to make costumes and work in the business. And, uh, and then someone told me about this television show that was hiring called friends. And I went in for an interview and I ended up actually doing a show for bright Kaufman crane, prior to doing Friends um, that was happening right then. And then, um, I don't know how much later, but I was pregnant with my daughter and in the hospital and got a call saying, hey, we're doing a pilot shooting starting next week. Can you come? And I was like, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) So I showed up with my little baby in a basket. She was three days old and I was 42 years old. And uh, started working on Friends. And that was sort of the beginning, really. Um, and then I've, you know, taken the opportunity in this wonderful career of mine to 
expand into many different areas of having a store and a fashion line and a couture line and uh, doing all kinds of things. Um, So, you know, I'm at this point in my life now, especially during this time of COVID, of really reevaluating and being so lucky and feeling so blessed to have had this amazing career. And I'm not finished. I'm still into recreating myself again. And uh, I've had this opportunity to be in the studio and work as a fine artist for six months. So I'm pretty psyched about that. And uh, I think there's a lot of that left in my future. So, but going back to work next week and working with the adorable Jennifer Aniston, who has been in my life for a very long time and who I absolutely adore and so honored to have the opportunity to be working with her again. And uh, yeah, all these other wonderful things I get to do. So Amazing. I always love hearing uh, people's journeys, especially when they maybe involve like a messy time or when things didn't go right, because you always look at, like they say, people's highlight reels and you know, it wasn't like that for you. You had to reinvent yourself. Like you said, uh, at 42, you had this opportunity. Um, What advice do you have for people that are wanting to break into the industry of costume design and styling? Because I know those jobs aren't always easy to acquire. It's kind of often who you know. How does someone make connections and get their foot in the door if that is a career they're interested in? You know, When people see what we do on the outside, you know, it looks quite glamorous and exciting. It's funny, you know, just being here in Rhode Island and my friends are so cute. They're like, oh my God, you actually know these people. And I just, I'm like, uh, it's so weird because the way we look at our own lives is so, it's so not, um, It's not chic and fashionable like people on the outside think it is. It's so much hard work. And so I think my advice really always is to get an internship or um, to, you know, find someone, convince someone that you want to, you know, work with them and, you know, do anything to just be around. And if you look at the people that work for me, and I have many, many people that work for me, they all started as interns. And it's really, it's so obvious to me when someone comes to work, who's going to make it and who's not. Um, They sort of filter themselves out just by the very fact of whether you have the stamina and the work ethic to sustain in this business. Um, You know, we work really hard and it's down and dirty a lot. And You know, going back during this time of COVID is going to be so fascinating because once again, we have to sort of reinvent the way we are working and we've worked so hard to get to the place where we know how to do it correctly that now we're having to figure out other ways to do it that in a way may be like wheeling ourselves backwards a bit because we have to work with less people, less hands-on. So it's always a process. I think this is a difficult time to get into the business because it's certainly not a time to do an internship or to observe because we're not allowed to have any additional bodies. So, um, So it's not a good time. And I think the best thing to do would be try and do a student film or find out things that are happening, maybe non-union commercials or just, just, you know, smell around for someone who is working and maybe in an environment that would allow someone to be there and observe. But I think it's going to be a while before that kind of additional person is going to be allowed to be on the set or even around. Um, It's quite unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think a lot of careers are kind of feeling that right now. And uh, 
I guess we'll just see what happens. I, I'm looking forward to 2020 being over, as I'm sure most people are. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I I love the idea of like the behind the scenes stuff, uh, like styling and design. What are some must haves that you always carry in your kit on set and or like tricks of the trade that you can share that you swear by and, you know, that you've learned in all your, your years of doing this costume design? Well, I'm not real. Costume designers are not on the set very much. Um, no. Well, it's interesting. I mean, if we're on the set, we're not really doing our job. Because right. once the actors are on set, our job is kind of over. So, you know, in the past, a lot of times I would be on set because I want to show my face because I'm not around very much and I am on payroll and I want people to know that I'm doing my job. But the truth is, that's not really where we shine. Where we shine is off the set finding a needle in a haystack, putting together ideas, working in the workroom with the people that are building our clothes. Um, that's where we're needed. Um, you know, certainly when we're doing fittings with actors, it's essential. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. I mean, in terms of advice, you know, it's funny because my husband's a therapist and I often say, well, I'm a therapist too, <laughs> because I think so much of what we do is um, a psychological dance and you really, you know how there are people who can read the room and people who can't read the room? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, when you're a costume designer, you got to read the room. Right. I mean, it's the number one thing to do to get over yourself and your own needs and your own energy field and really be a listener and be aware of everything that's going on in the room um, and, the sen- and to be sensitive to the actor that you have in your room. It's a really hard thing to do. It's really kind of like getting out of your own way to allow the magic that happens in fittings to happen because there's nothing more exciting than hitting upon the character with an actor and knowing that you got it, they got it, the character emerges. And that's magic. That's the magic. That's what a costume designer does um, if they're good. Um, They can really make magic that creates a character and the character doesn't necessarily even come from, it doesn't come from the creation of the designer. It comes from the written word and it comes from the director's vision of what they see that character is. And then as the costume designer, you have to do this intuitive process of figuring out what it is they see and then making that happen. So right. it's not so much what you think, but it's really in trying to intuit what is written and what the director sees. And of course, that's different in television and movies. It's a different process, but ultimately, it's pretty much the same. One, so one of your first jobs was on the set of Friends. Did, did you really have any idea back then what you were walking into and that the show would be such a hit and you'd be in that position for 10 years? No, of course not. Um, not a clue. Um, especially that first year. I mean, nobody even knew anything about it. I mean, it wasn't until that first summer when they did some reruns of the first season that people started to see it. Um, yeah, and then once that happened, it was pretty explosive. You know, certainly by season three, it was like off the charts. But no, you know, when you work on something like that, you're so insulated. You live in a bubble, right? You know, it's you're not on the outside looking in, like, oh, this is so fabulous. Oh, this. No, you're just scrambling to get your week together. You know, to be on top of the scripts and get 
done what needs to get done. It moves so fast. There's certainly no time to uh, pat yourself on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think your background in design prior uh, helped you when you were developing those characters? Oh, absolutely. I think, and you know, I have a lot of young people. um, For example, I was on the board of directors at Otis College for years. And uh, one of the things I loved to do was to do the portfolio review with seniors at the end of the year. And I had I had selfish motives also because, of course, I was going to hire the best students. But um, uh, aside from that, it was really interesting, you know, to sort of get their take, having, having been in their bubble uh, for four years, to see what their idea of what this world was. And it was nothing like what it really is. You know, it was just... Um, their idea was so far from the reality of what what it is that we do. Just like us being in our bubble, seeing the outside. It's the same thing when you're in a school situation. And I would give the advice, you know, people would say, well, you know, I'm gonna go, I wanna go to graduate school in costume design. And my feeling was, don't if you feel like you might want to do costume design and you want to go to graduate school. Go to graduate, get an MFA in painting or, you know, take your art to another level because that's going to ultimately make you a more interesting designer. And I absolutely think it's true because I'm so out of the box that everything I do is so not linear. And I think had I had a formal costume education, I would be a very different kind of designer. Um, so yeah, I think the the uh, you know color and form and texture and a sensitivity to fabrics and light, um, all of those things are really important in creating costumes. So many of the looks from that show are so iconic. Girls everywhere, I'm sure, have Rachel Green outfits on a Pinterest board of 90s fashion inspo. Do you still get questions about certain looks that you put together? Oh, my God. It has never stopped. Because <laughs> No, it's really phenomenal because every couple years, there's like a whole new generation. And, and everyone's younger now. So now it's like 13-year-olds. It used to be like 15, 16-year-olds would discover it. Well, it used to be, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, and then it was 15, 16-year-olds, and now it's like 12, 13-year-olds. Everything comes back around, so all that 90s stuff is, you know, popular again. I'm sure it's just a resurgence of all the new trends, and everybody's just in love with the show in general. So It's so funny to me. It's just so funny. You know, it's like... I don't know. It's it, it's just a really interesting thing that there's this um, gaga factor about the clothes now. And um, it's funny, even my daughter, who's 26, you know, she was too young, really, because she was born when we started Friends. Um, my son, who's 31, he was more Thursday nights, he used to have his friends over and he would, they would watch. And But Lily just discovered Friends like in college, you know. And she watches it to help her go to sleep at night, you know, now. And and her aesthetic is very um, 90s. It's it's really interesting. Um, And, you know, the things like at the time, I mean, I always did try to push the envelope a little bit. I did try to do things that weren't really happening yet. Um, I was very, very aware of that. I did not want to be like any other television show. And I wanted to have things that were unique and pushing the limit. Um, But in retrospect, you know, I look at some of those early episodes and I like put my hand on my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I thought that was so cool, you know? And, um, but you know, the kids think it's all cool. And I just, I just think it's hysterical. I really do. I think it's so funny. Um, 
that that's so amazing. I'm obviously a, a huge fan of the show. As I, I don't know anyone that isn't, so I just love I love hearing that because it's just so iconic. Do you have any favorite looks or looks that stand out to you that you'll always remember? Well, I have to say, when we were in England, that shopping in England was so amazing because not only did I get you know, to go to all the designers and to their places individually and, and to um, have contacts there that were a little more far-reaching than what I had done prior to that. But it opened up a whole world of European designers for me that I hadn't really explored before. So that was exciting. So everything was like a discovery. And when I found the store Idol London, which was isn't there anymore, I just went crazy. And you know that iconic yellow strapless dress of Jennifer? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I got that there and I bought these amazing coats and beautiful velvet dresses for Phoebe that were sewn together with metallic threads that were looked like stitches and I don't know. It was just the coolest thing. So I loved making those discoveries. And, um, you know, ideally, I would have liked to have made all the clothes myself because I thought that's what a costume designer does. And I tried to do that in the beginning. In the first couple of years, I tried to make as much as I could for the boys and the girls. But um, the schedule was so fast. And the actors really had no interest in having fittings and you can't make custom made clothes and not have fittings. So I was running uphill all the way. And at some point, like by season three, I thought, you know, this isn't really working. Um, They didn't really appreciate it. And they, it was more of a bother. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to be shopping. So once I realized that I was going to be doing 90% out in the world, I knew I had to really expand my horizons because, as I said, I didn't want anything looking like anybody else's shows. So, but that didn't mean that I could buy something and rebuild it or, re- you know, I didn't have any sense of obligation to any designers I was using. Um, you know, I could cut ar- arms off a sleeve or add something or embroider something. So, but I did work mostly with things that existed and just tried to make them as interesting and different as possible. What uh, What are some of your favorite pieces that you did create? Well, those shirts for Chandler with the racing stripes, those, you know, my dad in the 40s wore these gorgeous gabardine shirts that had these racing stripes. And so I used that as a model for those shirts. And... um those were beautiful. They were they were made out of a beautiful gabardine and the stripes, and it was they were just beautiful. So that was really fun, and um, and then uh, a lot of the coats I made for the girls, um, uh, the big fur hot pink fur coat that Jennifer wore, um, that was from my collection, and beautiful embroidered coat that I had made from fabric I had designed and made in India. Um, Phoebe wore over her lavender wedding gown. And um, I made some of the, uh, the wedding gowns, although none that really were actually worn on the bodies except for Phoebe's real life wedding. Um, I did do Lisa's real wedding dress. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. And um, what else iconic? Oh, some of the jewelry in the early years was mine um, because I had been a jewelry designer for 20 years. I had boxes and boxes and boxes of fabulous jewelry that I had designed. However, the 90s started and jewelry went bye-bye. You know, so Phoebe was the only character that I could pull off putting some cool jewelry on because jewelry in the 90s was small or nothing. So it went from the 80s where jewelry was big and flashy and opulent to the 90s where it was understated and minuscule and dainty. And so, um, so that was a big shift. Did the, did, uh, sorry, I was going to no. ask if the cast had any 
favorite pieces that they maybe walked away with at the end of filming or is everything locked away in a vault somewhere? Everything is in Warner Brothers archives. They actually have a fabulous, fabulous archives. And, um, and I understand because I've been asked to participate, there is something that's going to be called the Friends Experience that's going to be in New York City. I think they've done some tests in London and in New York and various places of, you know, a sort of experience where, you know, there's like a 20,000 square foot space where they recreate the sets and the coffee shop and there's a store and all kinds of stuff. So I think friends, freaks are going to uh, really enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, I know that there is also talk um, of a reunion. I think that that's already been talked about. Um, Will you be working with the cast again on that in some way? Well, we were supposed to do that this summer. And actually, I was just going to be participating with Jennifer doing her wardrobe. Um, But it got pushed because of COVID. And I'm not really sure when that's going to happen now. I think it will happen because HBO now is going to be showing the the Friends episodes. So I know they want to do a big, flashy, you know, open it with some kind of a um, flashback uh, yeah. situation. So we'll see. But yeah. uh, I'll be involved in some way. If you could sum up that, your experience on that show in a few sentences, how do you think you'd describe that time in your life? There were good years and there were bad years. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I would describe it. There were some years that were incredible and there's some that were extremely difficult. Um, And I remember when we were nine years and we didn't think we were going to have a 10th and I think everyone was ready for it to be over. Yeah. And then they announced that we were doing our 10th season. And truthfully, the 10th season was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because we knew it was going to be the last, you know. Right. Um, But for me, I mean, being working with Jennifer again is such a wonder. It's like, you know how I just described being with my adult children for six months and how glorious it was. Mm-hmm. In a way, that's what it's like being with Jennifer now. It's like being with my adult child. And um, well, you've got to watch her grow up, essentially, right? You've been exactly. with her for a long time. Exactly. And it's beautiful. And she's such a lovely human being. And I'm so proud of her. And she's so talented and beautiful and she's managed to really maintain her her sense of integrity and uh i'm just so proud of her and so i'm delighted that she wanted me in her life again to help her navigate um these things and i'm so honored to be there so it's wonderful how these things can go full circle and um you know, because they were kids and they certainly weren't going to understand what I did for them or appreciate it in any way. I, there's no way. They were too young and too ambitious to sort of pay attention to what was going on around them. But they're all adults now and I, I know they all know. And um, it's, it's cool. Working so closely with celebrities like Jennifer, did you ever consider doing more red carpet or editorial type design and styling? You know, I was never, this is a horrible thing to say. I don't know how to say it. Um, (laughs) uh, I was never interested in that. I I am interested in character, but... um, I like to keep my real life separate from my work life and Mm -hmm. the red carpet is dealing with egos in a way that I have no interest. I mean, in the old days for red carpet, when designers, if you think about it, they designed for the actors. They created 
costumes and outfits for them that were unique and fantastic. But society sort of became very focused on brand and who's wearing what and this is cooler than this. And being unique sort of lost its mystique. I'm not saying that it's not, it couldn't come back again, but I would just say that it was more about who you're wearing than wearing something that was designed just for you. And I'm a designer that wants to design something that's just for you. Um, And so that trend sort of disappeared. Um, I did have a couple years where I did, one year I did 17 gowns, uh, red carpet gowns, but it was mostly for wives of directors or directors rather than celebrities. It was a little more interesting for me and not as uh, ego-driven. So um, that's why I like being on the other side. I like dealing with the characters that we create rather than the human beings that embody. The- right. Well, and that industry can be kind of cutthroat with the best dress lists. I, I can't imagine the stress of it all. Yeah. I mean, I remember one year designing a dress for an actor and it was gorgeous, but she wanted something that showed her figure more that wasn't so full and she made me recut the dress to be tighter. And it wasn't a dress that could be recut, really. And so I did, and it really didn't work well. And then she was angry. And it was very hard for me to explain that the dress was perfect in its first manifestation. Right. And that changing that changed everything and it was their naivete that and I should have just said it can't be done um but I didn't know then either as much as I know now right and And uh, you want to please the client so exactly so but yeah um I'm not really interested in that (laughs) (laughs) um with your career and it being in such a demanding industry, I, I can't imagine what your schedule looked like, what an average day was for you. How did you manage that all on top of being a mom? Are there any tips for working moms? Well, it was tough um, because I also was the breadwinner. Um, my husband's in education, so... Um, his income was not really adequate for the kind of lifestyle that I wanted for my children. So I was extremely driven. And I realized early on that I could do multiple shows and make multiple salaries. And that I actually liked working that way because it was really it was really fun and it, it suits my talent to be multitasked in that way. And so there was a time when I was doing six shows at the same time and building a house and being a mother. Um, and I look back on it and I don't really know how I did it, but I did. And I would say that my salvation is in my discipline and always taking time for myself, even if it was getting up at 4.30 in the morning to swim for an hour, do yoga and meditate. I was committed to doing that before I started anything in my day. And I've done that routine for almost 50 years. So I think without that discipline and ability to tune into myself, it would have been impossible. And it's interesting now, you know, having my adult children and my son works with me. So, you know, I had to leave him my whole life, but he's working with me since he's 19 now and he's 31. So even though I had to leave him my whole life, he's with me now every day. So 
it's pretty fabulous. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about what it was like, what it was like for them, me, me not being around. And, um, and they were like, you were around mom, you know, you were around, you were there every weekend. And, you know, we, we, uh, did a lot of things together as a family. And so they don't really see it in the way I did that I was never there. Um, and thank goodness my husband was very committed to being the domestic one and sort of making sure that the household was intact. And I think because he was in education, he had a better, very good schedule. So, and summer's off. So I don't know, we made it work. And um, uh, it wasn't easy though. It really wasn't. Just making the time count when you, when you can find it together, right? I guess so. <laughs> is it like I know you've done so many shows? You said at, at one point you were doing six shows at one time. Does it ever frustrate you because Friends is so iconic that that is what people want to talk about, and that's maybe what you're best known for? It's so funny that you're saying that. So um, when COVID started. Uh, my son said, you know, mom, you really should have some Instagrams because there's like a million people that want to see blah, 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 blah. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So he showed me how to do it. So I started several Instagrams. One, um, Deborah McGuire Art, which is just my artwork starting in the 70s up to the present. One that's uh, by... Deborah McGuire, which is, I thought would be my career as a costume designer. Here's the interesting thing. So he set it up at the same time of the Friends 25th reunion. So we, start, we started the Instagram just about Friends, right? Mm -hmm. Every time I tried to go off into the years I worked for Dolly Parton or my early career doing Movie of the Weeks and doing... It's a riot how, like, I have 6,000 followers, but it's really funny to see how it drops completely off. Like, no one's really interested unless <laughs> I'm posting friends things. And sometimes I'm like, screw it, I'm doing it anyways. And so the other day I posted an Anchorman thing and, you know, every so often I'll throw something in there. But truthfully, my, my fans are not interested <laughs> In anything else I've done. So is it frustrating? You know, honey, I don't really care enough for it to be frustrating. But um, I will say that my career has been very extensive. And, you know, I was lucky to do um, all of the early Judd Apatow movies and work with Harold Ramis as a director and, you know, David Mamet doing his plays and movies. You know, I've had a very broad, exciting um, comedies, serious drama, period pieces, theater, musicals. You know, I've done it all. And, um, and I'm very proud of, of many, many things. I, am I proud of Friends? Uh, I guess, but it's not the same. It's, it, it's wonderful that it's become so sustaining and that I was a contribution to that. But so many of the other things I've done um, are much more interesting artistically. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so iconic. I don't know how else to put it. Everybody is obsessed and so many of the storylines still you know, hold true today. So I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I know. Well, my favorite story um, is uh, my husband is from Binghamton, New York, and we were there one Christmas. It was probably like three years ago. And I had gotten sick, I'd gotten a cold. And so I was up in bed and my phone dinged. And I looked at my phone and there was an email from Richard Buckley who is Tom Ford's partner. And Richard and I were friends 50 years ago in New York, 45 years ago in New York. And um, he writes me this email about how he and Tom are in New Mexico with their seven-year-old and at night watching Friends episodes 
having dinner on their TV trays. And Tom says how much he loves Friends and that the clothes are even better now, you know, that they've withstood the test of time. And I remember like going, oh my God, Tom Ford thinks that the Friends clothes (laughs) <laughs> I to me that was like first of all I laughed so hysterically I loved it so much and I was like okay if Tom Ford thinks it's fabulous I guess it's fabulous <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much oh my god what do you like I know you said that you still have lots to do and and uh, you're not gonna be finish working anytime soon. So what's next for you uh, that you'd still like to accomplish or goals that you maybe haven't yet met? Well, you know, it's so hard to say because of where we are in time right now with COVID, but I have a real passion for opera and theater and, um, and I've never done any opera, um, uh, would love to. And, uh, I know that it'll happen if I want it to happen. You know, it's just, um, I think what's exciting to me is always meeting amazing people and never knowing where those connections lead to. Um, there's a big world out there and I'm really open to it. I always have been. And I've been so lucky that just these opportunities sort of presented themselves. And I think, you know, one of the things I love telling young people, especially when I'm teaching, is that you really have to keep your eyes wide open because you never know when a great opportunity is right in front of you. And sometimes you just have to push yourself a little and take the plunge and uh, you never, ever, ever know what could come out of it. So I'd say, you know, if you don't have a sense of adventure, try to push yourself a little bit more to go a little outside of the box and um, look for experiences and open your eyes up. Because, you know, sometimes if we stay in our comfort zone, it's very hard to be exposed to new things. But I don't know, that's always happened to me and it's always sort of bumped me into a new a new phase. So, um, you know, just being in the studio for six months has been just incredible. And I, if I had to spend the rest of my life doing this, I'd be very happy. Very, very happy. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I can't uh, wait to see what's next for you. I'm so grateful that you took the time to chat with me today because I know that your inbox must be full of requests. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful. I'm so happy that I could be here with you today and it's always really fun. Yeah. Okay. I want to end with just some five rapid fire questions. Um, Who was your favorite friend's character to dress? Don't have one. (laughs) They were all, they were all amazing. (laughs) They were all amazing. You know, I, you know, they didn't like fittings, you know, so it was like, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get them to come in to do fittings. So, um, you know, I, I can't really judge friends by that. (laughs) (laughs) If you weren't in design, what's another career that you think you would have liked to try? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I'm extremely political, even though I hate politics. So, um, but um, I got to live vicariously through my best girlfriend, who was a civil rights lawyer most of my life, and um, and I was just amazed by what she was able to accomplish. But um, but I also. I'm an athlete and I've been an athlete for different parts of my life. And um, I used to be a polo player and um, probably I, I could have been involved in athletics and, and loved that as well. Um, but I've never thought about doing anything else other than what I do. So I can't really answer it honestly. <laughs> do you have a favorite book? 
Um, I have several. Um, let me think. Um, Hundred Years of Solitude. Um, let me think. Oh my God. I, I read a lot. <laughs> um, I love Philip Roth. Um, I've read all of Philip Roth's books. Um, I, um, let me think. Um, I know when I hang up with you, I'm going to think of like what my favorite book is. <laughs> well, but. you can email them to me. I, I love reading as well. So any recommendations that you have, I will take them. Okay, I will give them to you. Where was the best vacation that you ever took? Um, oh, my God. Well, I've... I recently spent time in India going to all the indigenous areas uh, up on the western coast near Pakistan, going into all the villages who make um, fabrics. And I went with my husband and it was an extraordinary experience and something that I had wanted to do for over 30 years and finally got to do it. And um, it was uh, magical. But I'm very lucky that I've had a lot of amazing vacations because when I was in New York running my business and single, I used to take myself on an adventure vacation every year. So every year I would create a fantasy and do it. Um, and uh, I did a lot of amazing things. <laughs> Very cool. And lastly, my question to end the interview is, what is something that you are proud of? I'm really proud of my children and really proud of my husband. Um, you know, in our life together, things always revolved around me um, because I was the one that was gone. And just, it's it just, uh, I was the one, the breadwinner and just life revolved around me. So in these six months during COVID, my husband has worked virtually He's a therapist in a school for kids with learning disabilities and autism. And um, I got to listen to him every day in his office working with these children. And I was completely blown away. And our life here with my older children um, revolved around him for the first time. You know, we always made sure that we brought him lunch because he was working and had dinner prepared for him at the end of the night. And then one day, my daughter and I were sitting in the living room, and he came out of the office and was had tears in his eyes and asked us to come into the office. And we were worried that something had happened. And we walked into the office and he had a Zoom call and there were a million faces on the Zoom. And what had happened was he had been chosen as the employee of the year from the help group who has 800 employees. And um, I stood there with my children while they each went through um, why he had been given the award and it was just the most amazing experience and so I'm so proud of him and you know it's a thankless career that he has he's been devoted to these children his entire life and he makes no money and works like crazy and um, and makes a difference in a lot of people's lives so yeah I'm really proud of him Amazing. Well, thank you again, Deborah. I uh, I won't keep you any longer, but like I said, I'm very grateful to have had the time to chat with you, and I can't wait to put this out for everyone to listen to. Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Passion and Purpose Radio. Find a recap of the show plus extra info and links at ladygets.com. Loved the episode? Share it with a friend. Let's all grow together. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again real soon. And until then, keep living with passion and purpose.